the last, summer is almost here. Welcome to the Nature of Phenology, where we share the cycles and seasons of the outdoors. I'm your host, Hazel Stark, and this episode was written by Joe Horn. The summer before I entered fourth grade, my parents, brother, and I traversed the island of Newfoundland in a Canadian-made 8 by 13 foot 1978 bowler camper trailer. I hold Newfoundland in my memory as a place that felt worlds away from ordinary, an island of icebergs, caribou, minke whales, and bogs, where people ate cod cheeks and cod tongues for dinner and enjoyed screech and partridge berry pie for dessert. It was also the place I first encountered and learned about Labrador tea. After that trip, I started finding Labrador tea all over New England and beyond. Right now, as we edge ever closer to the summer solstice, this plant can be found displaying its lovely clusters of white flowers for all the pollinators to enjoy. I first learned this plant's Latin name as Letum Groenlandicum. In fact, all of the several species of Labrador tea used to be placed in their own genus, Letum, and were considered distinct from many of the other bog shrubs. As scientists occasionally rethink and reclassify things based on new information, Labrador tea has recently been reclassified into the genus Rhododendron, making this plant close cousins to azaleas, rhododendrons, rhodora, and a thousand other tough, woody shrubs in the heath family. Labrador tea is a short, multi-stemmed shrub with dark green leaves that are both somewhat crinkly and shiny and grow in what appear to be tufts at the top of the branches. The leaves are somewhat crinkly or coarse on top, and the margin, or edges, is curled downwards. Flipped upside down, you can reveal one of the most distinguishing features of this intrepid little plant. The entire underside of the evergreen leaves is covered with dense woolly hairs. On the new leaves, this dense wool is white to green, but on the mature leaves, it is a pale shade of cinnamon. The flowers, which are on display now, grow in small, globe-like clusters a few inches across, with each individual five-petaled flower a mere half-inch in diameter. Labrador tea seems equally at home in sodden sphagnum bogs and dry alpine mountaintops throughout its range. While at first glance these habitat preferences may seem to be at odds with one another, these two areas have some similarities. Both are extreme environments with thin soils that are low in nutrients, rather acidic, and low in oxygen. As a result, there are areas where you do not need to grow fast or tall to have a competitive advantage, you just need to grow tough. And there is perhaps no shrub tougher than Labrador tea. They seem to care little about these nutrient and oxygen poor soils. They shrug off extreme cold and blowing dry winds thanks in part to their woolly leaves which helps to both insulate and prevent evaporation. They can take being buried in heavy icy snow and will readily sprout back again if a fire sweeps across their mountain or bog thanks to their trailing network of shallow underground rhizomes and roots. The name Labrador tea is not without reason. This shrub has been a staple tea stuff for countless indigenous peoples across the plant's range and is even still commercially wild harvested and sold as tea by a few companies in Canada and wild foods shops. Despite this long history of use, you will not find this stocked on the shelves of U.S. stores. Instead, you will find warning after warning from sources such as WebMD and just about every field guide you can get your hands on about the potential toxicity of consuming Labrador tea in great quantities, with side effects such as nausea, delirium, and death though I have found no reference to a specific case of such complications. So this weekend, you could strike out to a bog or mountaintop near you and look for the lovely white flowers of this stunning little shrub. Do take care for both your own health and that of the plant if you plan on trying a cup of this tea. 
This plant may be tough, but in the way that it grows very slowly and not very large. So if you do choose to harvest some, be considerate of the plant and other plant gawkers, and take very little and spread your harvesting over many plants. That way we can all enjoy the lovely flowers and iconic leaves of the shrub from the northern reaches of the spine continent. You can download this episode and find a link to the transcript, photos, information about podcasting, and more by visiting archives.weru.org. Thanks for listening, and please join us next week for another dive into the nature of phonology. Hey, hey, hey.